Hi, uh, welcome to Totally Underqualified. Where we talk about various topics of adulthood and how totally underqualified we are to do them. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about to make a home and how totally underqualified we are to do that. Yeah. I mean, we mentioned in our first episode that we're both sort of dubbed international kids due to the fact that our parents' jobs have taken us to different places. And uh, everyone we went to school with kind of knows how this felt. Exactly. And I think uh, out of both of us, you have definitely moved to way more places than I have. Yeah. And I think the way what ha- the way you've labeled it, uh, international kids, is, is, not, is not wrong, but there's a better term for it. You want to tell? Yeah, it's third culture kids. Oh my gosh, we're third culture kids. I really don't feel like I am one though, because I've only no, been to but one you are. place and both but my parents are. come from the same place. Yeah, but they both come from the UK. Yeah. And you're not in the UK. You didn't but grow up there. But I don't have a third culture. The moment you grow up in a country that your parents are not from, you're a third culture kid. I love it. Okay. Yeah. That makes me feel slightly more special. It's not that like <laughs> I've lived I've lived in six, seven countries. Wow. Um is it really that many? I didn't realize it was that many. Wait, hold on. Italy, Switzerland, Denmark, the Netherlands, Uganda, South Africa. That's that's growing up. And then obviously UK for six months. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't growing up then anymore. I was that was last year. Mm. So well done. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're a very successful third culture kid then. And then I guess um, I don't I don't I don't think there's a good way of measuring success as being a third culture kid. Yeah, there really isn't. Um, and in a way, I don't it doesn't even necessarily have to do, I think, with if you're an international or not, because you can have like big countries like, for example, the United States as well. Where if you move from one side, from California, I guess, to uh, New York, either way, I've never been to either of these places, but I assume the culture is different. I can imagine that's quite a big step because you go from coast to coast. And you can definitely experience some form of culture shock, I'm sure, which is something mad that you kind of just deal with once it happens to you. But Mm. yeah, I mean, we've been talking about what we should talk about on the second episode and we did kind of like the idea of the sentiment of being home and, you know, uh, obviously if us and all our mates have been moving around forever, uh, the idea of home is a bit of a weird one for us. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, when do you feel at home somewhere? Yeah, and how do you define it? How do you feel connected to places? Exactly. So we Googled the definition of what a home is. Mm. And it says, the place where one lives permanently, especially as a member or a family or household. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the standard definition is a place of residence. We know that home is somewhere you live. Yeah. And people tend to call their houses home. Mm -hmm. And okay, the Google definition defines home as the place where one lives permanently, especially as a member of a family or household. However, the one that I really kind of connected with, it's defined as a place where something flourishes is most typically found or from which it originates. Um, And that kind of 
sums up how complicated the idea of home can be for someone growing up and entering adulthood without having that solid understanding of it. If you are constantly having to redefine what home is and where you are typically found and where you originate from, the, the number of conversations I have had with people in our international community, especially growing up, it, it always used to be the question, oh, you know, where are you from? And every sentence following would be, well, do you want me to tell you what my nationality is? Do you want me to tell you where my parents are from? Do you want me to tell you where I've been before I came here or where I'd been before that? Or, you know, where was I born? There's always like a definition that we need in order to have that conversation because home has been quite a complicated scenario. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, when people ask me, you know, where is home? I have no real idea. Um, where people, when people ask me where I'm from, you know, the Netherlands, that's easy. Mm -hmm. I like being from here. It's I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be from here. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily call it home okay. right now. Right now it is, uh, right now I live here, but you know, uh, a, a year and a half ago, I, I basically packed up my life in two weeks and left to move to England mm. for only six months in the end but it was still you start again for a bit yeah it was a bit of a drastic change so when i was growing up and i you know i was i moved every four ish years uh, i spent only a year and a half in holland right. um which was kind of the odd one out for some reason it had to do with my dad's job mm -hmm. um but in my experience i had two homes always uh i had the netherlands and then i had the house wherever I was living in, wherever it was. Um, with that, I mean, is that every summer we would go back to the Netherlands uh, and we would visit my grandparents and we'd be around for like a month or two. Right. You know, for basically the entire summer holiday. And I used to do exactly the same with the UK. Yeah. And that was all really nice. But I never, what I realized now after I've lived in Holland for five-ish years is I'd never really got to know the Netherlands apart from the little bubble that was basically my grandparents. Yeah. Up until after, you know, then I came to live in Holland for a year and a half when I was 13. Uh, or I think 12 even. How do I put this? I still when I was living here about year and a half, I went to an international school, I didn't really meet a lot of Dutch people. No, exactly. Um, you know, def I've definitely chatted to them you kind of have to you're living here I speak Dutch fluently you know it's not difficult for me yeah um but even now I can still tell I don't necessarily resonate with Dutch people the same way I resonate when I'm speaking in English basically I I, I I'm a very different person almost when I have to speak Dutch yeah and you know what I have a very similar experience with that so mm. I didn't travel around a lot as a kid um mm. we literally did the one move so the one big move that we had was when i was 10 we all packed up and moved to the netherlands and i have been here ever since um and obviously i now speak fluent dutch and i did really connect with with dutch people after a time even though i had 
I was way more comfortable with the international kids that I went to school with. And those are some of my, you know, more solid friendships. I mean, even we have that friendship that has stuck around for years because despite going to different places, we have stayed connected because we're used to having to stay connected with people. Um, but I was always one of those anomalies. So I was the one that was at home watching all my friends come in. And then a year later, those friends would leave. And some of them would come back like two or three years later. Some of them would never come back and they still are your friends. But it's that weird scenario of you can no longer assume that people are going to be there all the time. And you get used to the idea of people leaving all the time and being almost left behind. So I was always one of those, those people that stayed when everyone else had to go other places. And when people came back, I was like the one person out of our friend group who was always here so anytime anyone came back to visit family or just wanted to come and visit I was the connection there whereas for me Netherlands has become home for me I feel really connected to this country not necessarily in their ways or you know all the things that are culturally different to the UK but it was definitely like one of those defining moments when I realized when I got on a plane to go back to the UK I didn't feel like I was going home anymore mm. and that what that I mean that must have been what four or five years after mm. moving here but I remember that moment very clearly okay. where I suddenly didn't feel like I was going home I was leaving home to go to where I come from that's weird <laughs> it was really strange it was really really strange um and almost like realizing that that moment had sort of started to define who I was as well. So it was it was a weird experience. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, of course you can. Because um, we have elections coming up. Yeah. Are you allowed to vote here? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, currently, for now, mm -hmm. I have a British passport. Mm -hmm. Even though I am a resident in the Netherlands and I am allowed to be here indefinitely and all my permits are done. I studied here, I have a job here, all of that. I pay taxes here. Um, because I have a British passport, I am not eligible to vote for Dutch parliament. But you are able to vote in local elections, right? Or yes. am I, yes. I, I, yeah. I do have a vote for, for various smaller things, but for the big decisions, I don't have that vote. The only other vote I did retain, and I haven't checked, but I used to be allowed to vote for the European Parliament. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a now fun one, isn't it? <laughs> now the UK is technically no longer part of Europe, so I don't know if I have that vote anymore either. And I also don't have a vote in the UK because I left before I was eligible to vote. Huh. So I am a, a voteless person. Man, have you ever voted? Yeah, no, you must have. No, you not, never voted. No, not officially. Jesus. I know, it's crazy. Okay, well, that's interesting. And uh, end of part one? Yeah, I think we've kind of covered the basics, right? All right. Sounds well, like a plan. Uh, got a short message from, you don't know yet. We're going to put it in after we're done here. <laughs> after, see, you in the, see you after the short break. Bye. pretend it's the end of the world and food has been rationed to essential items and occasionally novelty items are available. 
which of these novelty items would you wait in line for for a day? My answer is mayonnaise. So, we've had a break, and I was actually thinking on our break about uh, what we were actually just talking about, about the fact that we feel particularly connected to various different places, and Mm -hmm. um, part of home and the idea of home is what makes somewhere feel like home. Yes. So I'm I'm just wondering for you, have you ever felt at home in any of those other places that you've been? Yeah, for sure. But how? How do you know <laughs> that it felt like home? Um, it's only I think you only really start to realize that it felt like home once you've left. I'm gonna use a uh, Uganda as an example. I, I moved to Uganda after living in Holland for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh I you know, Holland, I just made friends. And then kind of out of nowhere, within it, like in a within two months, I think, it was like, oh Bob, we're gonna go move to Uganda now. And I was 13, or I was no, I was definitely 13 then. And your world kind of falls apart. Like we were supposed to stay in Holland for I think two years. And then all of a sudden, within two months, you get told, like, no, we're we're gonna move to Uganda. I'd never been outside of Europe by that point. And, you know, it was a country I didn't know anything about. And it was really weird. See, I remember when you told us that you were going. And we were like, yeah. what do you mean you're going? Like, yeah. you've only just got here. And then I watched The Last King of Scotland. And I was just like, why are we moving there? But, you know, <laughs> that luckily, I think, takes place in the 80s or the 70s or something. Yeah, your idea of a place <laughs> is totally warped. And unless you actually know more about it as well. Exactly. Either way, I moved on, like, around Christmas. Hmm which is, you know, you're halfway through the school year. So you suddenly get inserted into a class. And, you know, everyone's kind of made their friends and what, whatever. Um, luckily, it's still an international school. So it's, you know, everyone's used to that, where yeah. stuff like that happens. And that's it never, very much it, something that makes it easier as well, is the fact that you know everyone else has been in this situation before. And the fact that I now teach in a school like the ones that we used to go to, I see it in my students as well. I recognize the same behaviors that we had where it was like, well, you know, welcome to the club. We've all been to these different places and we all know how crap it is to have to leave halfway through the year. And it almost makes them more accommodating when someone new comes in. They're always very sort of, we'll just take you in. It's fine. Yeah. And one of the really awesome things about going to international schools and living in multiple countries and being at different schools is that every once in a while, you're going to run into someone that went to the same school as one of your friends did, you know, before you knew them or after you knew them, maybe. Yeah. And you're just, it's kind of like, oh my God, you knew, you know, Jeffrey as well. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's one of those weird things, actually, I think, because even though you are all over the world, it's actually quite a small community. There are people that I know now who went to school with other people that I know now, but I have never seen the two of them in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Exactly. So, so you have these weird links to people mm-hmm. and we've also had cases where you know friends of ours were born and bred here and then they go off somewhere else because their dad or their mom or both have got a different job and that a couple of years down the line they come back which is a really weird one because 
they kind of have this sensation of, well, I'll just go back and everyone will still be there. But they don't know what's happened with us in the last couple of years. And we don't really know what's happened with them in the last couple of years. And um, I was doing some reading recently and I came across a new term that psychologists seem to be employing when it comes down to kids. Um, and it's called ECS. So they are dubbing kids that go through this expat child syndrome where it's kind of it's linked to emotional stress in children because of frequent relocations mm -hmm. okay not everyone experiences this i have to just clarify some people deal with it really well and actually really enjoy it and other people i think especially when you go through your formative years as a teenager that can be like the additional stress because not only are you a teenager trying to navigate all your hormone changes and actually figuring out who the hell you are you then also have to try and do it whilst building connections with people who you don't know whether or not they're going to last whether they're going to leave or whether you're going to have to leave them and then you're going to have to start all over again in a brand new place that you don't know and you don't really understand where you usually don't speak the language even though most international schools are taught in english and it's basically been identified as this thing. And I see it in some of my students. I see some of them who have moved so frequently as, as a child that they have realized they're not sure how long they're going to be here for. So what is the point? And they stop making friends. They stop making that effort because the emotional stress on them of leaving again is almost not worth it. So they become super detached. Yeah. And it's, it's quite sad to see. And I can imagine, I can understand if I had gone through that so many more times than just the once, I totally understand why they make that decision. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is precisely what happened to me when I moved to Uganda. Right. The first six months were terrible. I, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to make friends. So you really uh, didn't feel like putting down those roots and actually making that connection. Yeah, I just wanted to go back to Holland. You know, I, I liked how things were here. I didn't want to move, obviously. And I, I, I was really, you know, I really had a lot of trouble with that. But then, uh, you know, I, something changed. I don't know what changed in me, but I decided to not do that anymore and just be, you know, make friends. And in the end, I think Uganda has definitely been the favorite place I've ever lived. Uh, it's where I've made friends that, you know, I still talk to daily. Mm even though, you know, one of them lives in the States, uh, others live in the UK. Two of them ended up here in Utrecht. Just like, it's amazing, but it's so strange that they somehow ended up here. Like, I don't under I don't really understand it. I guess we have great unis or something. Very a la Bob Ross. Yeah. Happy little coincidences. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, others that, you know, I haven't spoken to in years, but I know that if I were to speak to them, it'd be like we were back at high school. Yeah, and I very much have that experience. So because I haven't gone anywhere and I frequently go back to the place we grew up, that you kind of run into each other and you instantly recognize each other. You kind of go, oh my God, hello. And it's that very quick. So where have you been? What have you done? Where are you living now? And it's just a natural progression into, you know, where did you finish school? Mm -hmm. Were you here? Were you not here? Um, and it's kind of one of those very sort of normal questions that well it's not a normal question it's not a normal question to ask someone where did you end up <laughs> um but for us it feels very normal because it is just part of our 
our environment and our culture and our lives. So I remember when you went, I remember very vividly because you did go around Christmas time is that at New Year's you rang me that you had calculated the time difference and you were trying to figure out how to get hold of us and in the end you must have just gone sod it I'm just going to dial her number (laughs) and this is before WhatsApp and stuff had come in as well we didn't really have FaceTime or anything like that Mm -hmm. um and I remember it must have been quite late at night for me I can't remember why but I do remember feeling a little bit tired and going that can't be Bob ringing me because he's in Uganda that's not possible that's really expensive and we ended up on the phone for about 15 minutes and you just went cost you I can't no I can't even remember it didn't matter that was the point but I do remember that when I asked you how you were doing you were very much like I hate it here yeah I really just want to come home yeah and I remember you saying that to me and I thought but I didn't realize Holland was your home yeah, and that's and that's where uh, you know we kind of come back into the what makes the location feel like home, and it's definitely the people. Yeah, I feel a lot like the people really make somewhere feel like home. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I have yeah. I have such a connection with here. Mm-hmm. This is my home, not just because of the people, but also because of the way it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. I feel very comfortable here. Yeah, and. In the when I go back to the UK, because I do go back for family members and other bits and pieces, but when I do go back, I don't feel that connection with the country anymore. I feel out of place. I feel like I stick out like a sore thumb because I don't have the same style as people that live there. I don't speak the same way. We have that very European English sometimes if I've been teaching for too long and it takes me a while to get my normal accent back. But Mm -hmm. I do find myself feeling out of place in the UK now, even though if anyone asked, I'd say, well, no, I'm from the UK, Yeah, which is weird. You know, that's the thing that I hear a lot um, where people have trouble with the question, you know, and I think we're kind of backtracking, but where I, where am I from? And I mean, for me, it's my passport country, I guess. But it's a piece of paper. It's, yeah, exactly. It's a piece of paper, but also it's it's not part of necessarily my identity in a way. Mm. Um, it's it's just like okay, well, I'm from the Netherlands. That's that's just my little label. If you ask anybody who knows me, I am English. Yeah, I have a very English sense of humor, and I have a very English sort of collection of memories of what can only be described as quintessential English family parties, memories of various types of foods that I crave and no one has any idea what I'm talking about. If I ever go, oh my God, you know, you don't remember because you've never lived there. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll get cravings for particular flavors and things that just don't exist outside of the UK. Mm-hmm. So if you asked anybody, they'd be like, well, yeah, Ollie's British. She's mm-hmm. from England. Yeah. And I am, but I don't feel that way anymore. No. In terms of calling multiple places home, I think it's definitely possible. For sure. I wasn't just thinking about countries. I was actually thinking on a smaller scale. Yeah, exactly. There are two defining places that I've always called home. One is where my parents live. I always Mm -hmm. say, oh, I'm going back home. Uh, Although that is slowly changing at the moment. And I don't know whether it's an age thing. But I'm slowly getting to the point now where I'm going, I'm going to my mum and dad's rather than I'm going home for the weekend. Um, (laughs) But also the place that I have lived, I have always referred to as home. So the idea of calling multiple places home, I kind of reached back to that original definition, which was a place where something flourishes or most typically found. Mm -hmm. 
and I am most typically found at my parents' house or at my house. Yeah. And also in both locations, I feel like I've been able to grow and feel comfortable and mm-hmm. kind of understand who I am. Um, but also in terms of my attachment to various cities, I don't have a connection with The Hague necessarily, but I do have a connection with the small outskirt town that I live in. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like this is home. And as a student, I felt very much at home in Rotterdam. I knew the city. I knew the places to go out. I had all my mates from university there. Mm-hmm. My experience at the very beginning was wonderful. So I was going out with colleagues and I was experiencing the city life and I was understanding what various places were that I liked to go to. And I found my really nice bookshop that also sells coffee and I can just sit there and work. And And then all of a sudden that was all taken away from me. And I, do, I feel like I can no longer connect with where I live because mm. I can't go and do all those things. Everything is shut. I've I've had two very different experiences with uh, making a place home, mm. I guess, in, in the last two years. The first time when I moved to England uh, in summer of 2019. Yeah. It was the best experience I've ever had, qua making a home. And just, you know, feeling at home very quickly. Uh, you know, I moved, I, I moved there and I was given a house. Basically it was, I was told, okay, I can stay here for a month or go somewhere else and find my own place. I found my own place with four fantastic roommates and, you know, it's just great. My second experience with this was then I decided to stay with my parents, but after a while I was like, okay, I kind of really need my own space. Something was just telling me I need to kind of get out. Now I've got that room in Leiden. I don't call it home. But I think also knowing like how you feel in a place can also help you decide whether or not to stay. Mm -hmm. And obviously, as children, when we were growing up, that decision was very much made for us by our parents. Now, as an adult, it's definitely something I've learned to tune into. But before we go into that, do you want to have another quick break? One more short break. And another very quick interval from somebody we know. Hi, my name is Jason. And did you know that hunting unicorns is legal in the state of Michigan within the United States? Yeah. It's another thing to add on the weird thing Americans do checklist. Um, you can follow me <laughs> on my podcast at Bumblefuck's Comedy on Spotify if you want to hear more information that makes you laugh or just want to hear my voice for whatever reason, where I, alongside my other host, Jesse Martin, talk about a variety of topics, um, usually all leading to comedy, and we have a couple guests on the show as well. You can also follow us on Bumblefuck's Entertainment on Instagram, And I just want to give a quick thanks to Bob and Ali for letting me uh, do this on their podcast. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you. At this part, we kind of want to talk about homes you've left. I mean, we kind of started with going into adulthood homes now that we've grown up a little bit 
But I think a good place to start is, of course, homes we've left. Yeah. Because when you do reach that stage in your life when you live on your own or you've left your parents' house or, you know, you've found your definitive location for now and you start trying to make it a home rather than somewhere, you know, a building that you live in. But I'm curious because you've already mentioned that you... Yeah, you mentioned people, but you've also mentioned that the place you technically live now doesn't feel like home. No. And the place where I live right now does feel like home. I see room for improvement Mm. in terms of what I've done with the rooms, what I've, you know, built in my garden. And I mean, for God's sake, I have a garden. That's a big deal. Um, (laughs) so yeah I mean how how does it feel like starting a new home for you I mean it's that's always exciting I think to start a new home Mm. it's always going to be exciting I was excited to get this place that I have in in Leiden but in the end it doesn't feel like home it still feels like my space but I think it's more of an extension to here where i am yeah, now i do understand what you mean as well it's more like my my space away from home but not home <laughs> what a description yeah i don't know how else to explain it i've i've put a lot of i've put a quite a bit of work into it i uh i've replaced all the light bulbs in my room with uh wi-fi controlled light bulbs uh that can change color amazing so i can have you know very soft light if i want uh very so you, can you know create some art. ambience yeah exactly ambiance. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah you know i i've i've got a cool table that i with some like a high table with some bar stools mm. it's i you know i've put work into it but yet it doesn't feel like home okay so in fairness me and you have been doing this for a little bit longer than most sort of budding adults can i say it that way like you're at that we've already mentioned how old we are so I feel like I'm, I've been an adult long enough now to feel less worried about places I'm living and less concerned with whether or not it's going to work out or, you know, whether or not it really does feel like a place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember when I first started out that after I'd moved out of my parents' house, that first night in my own place. Mm-hmm was not anxiety inducing it was just weird Mm -hmm. it was weird knowing that I could go to sleep when I wanted and not that I had any kind of bedtime by that point but it was weird knowing that I could go to sleep and wake up and and not have the knowledge that my parents would be there if anything had gone wrong Mm -hmm. and that was quite scary however having said that I do experience that in any new place that I go. Mm. So that first night or waking up for the first time, it feels a little strange. Dealing with that sort of became part of the routine of finding a new place, knowing what to expect and knowing if anything did go wrong, what I could do in that, in that scenario. Mm. Um, You know, 
making sure that the heating is definitely off because each house has a different system and making yeah. sure that the oven is not going to like burst into flames. I, I am one of those doomsday scenario people. So anything that could go wrong went through my mind on that first mm. night. Is my door definitely locked? How many people are walking past my house? Uh, can I hear the main road? And mm-hmm. In I case the main road disappeared, you mean? I lived for quite a while on the street side of my student house Mm. and I was on the ground floor so loads of people would walk past my bedroom late at night and Mm. that was creepy Mm. because you can hear them through the windows Mm -hmm. but your that's your bedroom you know that's where you sleep that's where you eat it's where you live basically but managing those those anxieties still creeps in like if Mm -hmm. so I live with my partner but if he's not here for whatever reason that first going to bed in the house on my own but that that sort of childish angst that comes through when you're in the house on your own and it's all dark and you have to go downstairs to because you forgot to turn a light off or something and then you have to turn the lights off and run back upstairs before whatever fictitious creature is going to like (laughs) swipe at your ankles in your head those kind of experiences I do still have but I feel like I'm more rational about them now. That's the reptile brain, isn't it? Yeah. Creeping you out. Mm. I can get that. So for me, uh, the most vivid, I think, one I can remember when I moved into a new place was also, again, Uganda. And, you know, you arrive around six, seven uh, in the evening uh, at Entebbe Airport. And by then, it's dark there. Um, And we get there. We're all getting picked up by uh, my dad's co-workers. So there's two cars. And my family, we all get in one. Except for me, I get in with the other guy. The guy the guy who was driving the car, I, I've forgotten his name at this point, but he was a driver for the Dutch embassy. Um, Dennis. His name was Dennis. And he was, he was this really big guy. Dennis and he, the driver. Dennis the driver. And he was so nice. And we were driving along this really dark road because... Uganda and streetlights you have them there but on certain parts of the road you don't have it and you just see on the side of the road you see you drive through like a small town and everyone's out there on the side of the roads and there's no real like road lines every once in a while and it's just very it's chaotic yeah and then we got and then we got to our home you know we got home even though it wasn't home yet never been there before Uh, hadn't even seen pictures of it I think and you know, there were beds there for us because all our stuff hadn't arrived yet because it was all coming via a container ship from the Netherlands and it was going to take another two months for it to get there. But yeah, you know, you get into a strange bed. That's your bed for the next few months. And it's dark. It's just so dark. And then you wake up the next morning and it's fucking warm. <laughs> First of all, you know, I came from Holland. It, it was winter in Holland. Yeah, that's it, a huge climate change as well. Exactly. And then you get there and it wasn't it wasn't super humid or anything, but it was humid enough to notice that, you know, it wasn't like Holland. And you just look outside and everything's green and there's so many crazy plants like palm trees and stuff. You know, you, you just don't see that here. And yeah. it was just such a it was such a weird experience. But a good one. Yeah. When I look back now, amazing. I think that's the thing, though, like now that. I've had all these different houses. Okay, in fairness, not in different countries, but in different locations. Looking back on them, 
I don't have negative memories of them. No. I do remember when things went wrong, because when things went wrong in one of our houses, things went catastrophically wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure at the time it sucks that your feelings, your ceilings coming down, but... No idea what to do. What's the landlord's number? Oh, he's yeah. busy and can't be here yet, and I have to go to uni, and then I have to go to work. So what do I do? Do I turn the water off? I don't even know how to turn the water yeah. off. Where I'm is 21. The I have no idea what to do. <laughs> totally underqualified to live on my own <laughs> but even now like okay do you so know where the water mains are in your house now i think okay <laughs> i genuinely i can't be sure i know there's a couple of doors in the hallway and i know one of them leads to gas one of them leads to water i know which numbers to look for <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna check in with you next week who knows yeah. to see if you figure really it out need by to check the water meter to be honest i have no idea that's so I'll try and figure that out too. Changing light bulbs. You mentioned changing light bulbs. Mm-hmm. That is a big thing that you don't do as a kid. And then suddenly your light bulb doesn't work in your room, in a house that you share with people who are usually not at home. <laughs> and you have to think, I don't even know what size of a light bulb to get. You stand in the middle of the supermarket and you think, I have no idea where to start. And you just wish you brought the original light bulb with you. And then it becomes, uh, I've got to ring my dad. Mm because I'm sure he'll be able to tell me. And dad does the typical thing where he goes, oh, you need model 26 with this many millimeters and it needs to be this many voltage and this many watts. And I have no idea what any of those things are. So I just went, can I can I send you a picture of my options and you can tell me which one it is that I need to get? Nope. <laughs> um, and then inevitably you come home and you've probably bought the wrong one. So you still have no lighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of those kind of experiences at the beginning. <laughs> really nice. important lesson that most people don't have because yes. which teenager goes, mum, teach me how to bleach the bathroom properly. Mm-hmm. And then you go to a new house and you're looking around and in fairness, it's a student house. So it's a little bit scuzzy. <laughs> and you think, hmm, I know what I'll do this Saturday. I will clean the bathroom, open the cupboard doors and you have no idea which products to use, which ones are going to like destroy the sink, which ones mm-hmm. are going to fix it, which ones are going to get rid of stuff. And you end up having to figure it out very quickly. Do you remember the first time you ever bought a lamp? What, like an uh, like a whole lamp and not just a light bulb? Yeah, just just a whole lamp. Yeah. How was that? Oh my gosh, the trips to IKEA that I made that are just—I mean, let's be honest, everyone finds IKEA exciting when it's not a Saturday morning, oh and mandatory stop off to have Swedish meatballs. Best day ever. Coming from. The scenario where as a teenager you go i'd really like to have that because that's really cool and your parents go not within our budget and yep. you need to be a little bit more realistic we've got a great one that your grandmother once had and you can have that temporarily and as mm-hmm. a teenager you go oh great thanks yeah um some of my best pieces of furniture have come out of that but being able to go to ikea and going mom dad this is my house it's my money i'm gonna spend it on the items that i want and that i like mm-hmm. Buying cutlery and being able to choose the ones that felt the nicest was amazing. <laughs> I, it's just such a stupid little thing, but it was such a big moment for me. Mm-hmm. Now that we're talking about it, I realize how much of an impact that made on me. It's like adjusting the settings on a new computer to suit you, mm-hmm. but on a huge scale, because yeah. it's going to be something you have to deal with. <laughs> so for me, when I bought my first lamp, like my first proper lamp, I bought it from a Sue Ryder store in uh, in Newcastle. Oh yeah, you know the the, the charity shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and I think it was an Ikea lamp in the end. But anyway, I, I brought it home, put it in my room, and I just couldn't stop telling people that I found a new light in my life. <laughs> Bob, I think I, you've reached out to level jokes. I know, but I just, I, I thought it was so great that I bought a lamp. <laughs> but this but, is the thing. It's, I mean, it is a big deal. And, yeah. you know, luckily, I have very supportive parents. Mm-hmm. And they they do recognize when things are exciting and new for me, even if mm-hmm. they've done it a million different times. And I'm sure your parents were the same. Yeah. Um, when they go, you know, it is exciting for you. I'm excited for you. Mm-hmm. But you're being a little bit too excited about this now. And you think, no, 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 you don't understand. This is like a whole new thing for me. <laughs> and I am extremely excited about it and terrified simultaneously that this is not going to work out well. And I, I need you on board. I need you on board to... To, to tell me it's all going to be okay and after the first couple of times you start learning that actually I don't need to tell everybody about this and I can probably do it on my own yeah. I don't necessarily need as much support as I did at the beginning yeah I mean you know I think people are afraid sometimes to be excited about something yeah and also afraid that no one is going to be excited with them yeah Anything else you wanted to add? I think I'm done with uh, what we have wanted to talk about today. Yeah. So I think our episode's going to come to a close here. So, uh, totally underqualified to build a home. Yeah. We want to thank George. Yes, we must. For anybody who heard our first episode, you may notice the difference between that one and this one is that we now have a jingle which can be defined as a very short piece of music that introduces us. Um, It was made from scratch by our wonderful friend, George. You can find him at Kamen Noodles. I'm going to say it that way. At K-A-M-E-N-O-O-D-L-E-S. He says it should sound like ramen noodles, but we just had a conversation about whether it's ramen or ramen. Yeah. And and on there, George does games. Yeah, he is a music composer slash uh, game streamer. Yeah, he's on Twitch a lot and um, does some amazing things with his guitar. So if you are interested, go and show him some love. So one more time at Kamen Noodles with a K K A M E N W O D L E S. Yes, and then second end note. Uh, as you notice, we're not doing tea sounds and toilet noises anymore in our breaks. Instead, we're doing messages. Should you want to be in one of those messages, feel free to record something on your phone and send it to totallyunderqualified at gmail.com. It really can just be from a phone. Whatever you want, uh, record it on a tape, send it to us. I have a tape player, you know, whatever you want to do. I don't, we don't care. Send it by carrier pigeon if you really want. Yeah, and then we'll read it out, I guess. Uh, Smoke signals. I don't know how to read those. Sorry. Morse code. The whole shebang. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually Um, a good one. (laughs) And, uh, you know, if you have anything that you want to add or that you'd like us to talk about in future episodes, feel free to let us know. You can also message us and follow us on Instagram at totally underqualified. Yes. It's been good, Bob. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. For anybody out there listening, really. I think we did a good job.
Oh, stop stroking your ego. <laughs> I, I have to give myself a boost. Yeah, but do that when the recording's off. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye.